Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast, where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release on the air. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. I want to start out with a little survey here, just to get us started. So I kind of know my audience, so I know who I'm talking to. And so I'm going to list off some things, and if the activity is something that you do, I want you to just clap once, okay? Not lots of times, just once, okay? Organized chaos is what we're going to do here. Okay, so if you make your bed in the morning after you get out of it, clap once, okay? If you separate light and dark laundry, clap once. Sounds about the same. Probably the same people. Um, If you have a certain way that you load the dishwasher, clap once. Okay. (laughs) This is telling me a lot about you guys. Um, If you follow a recipe when you're cooking, clap once. Okay. Uh, If you check your mirrors before pulling out of your driveway, every time. Uh, That was less. That's what I suspected. Um, If you fold fitted sheets, clap once. Guys are crazy. Um, if you floss your teeth every day, clap once. Oh, <laughs> not very many people. I would argue that the reasons that we do things, why we do them or don't do them, is because of purpose. That all the things that I mentioned, we either do them or don't do them because we either see purpose in them or we don't. So human beings like to do things and they like to see what's going to happen in the end. And if we can't really connect the reason or the purpose to the task that we're doing, we won't do it for very long. I am someone who would love to say that I floss my teeth every day, but the truth is that I floss them about two months before I go to the dentist, and then about maybe three months after I go to the dentist, and then sporadically when there's food stuck in them. Because when I go to the dentist, they say, your teeth look great. <laughs> and so I, I have a hard time connecting the purpose to the task. I think we're all kind of like that. And I think so many people's depression and anxiety, which we see running rampant in the world, is because we don't know our purpose. It's hard for us to get up out of bed every day. And life is hard for all of us. It's hard for us to get up and do the things that we need to do if we don't know the purpose, just like flossing your teeth. The self-help industry is a multi-million dollar business. And they would love to tell you, there's lots of people who will tell you what your purpose is and how to be better at it and how to do better. And lots of people have lots of opinions about what the purpose of life is. So as I was doing some research, I pulled out a few. I'm just going to sort of read them to you. Most of them are people that you will know. Joseph Campbell, who is the only one you probably don't know, he's an American professor of world religions and a writer. And he says, the meaning of life is whatever you ascribe it to be. Being alive is the meaning. Um, Thomas Edison says, my main purpose in life, or said, he's dead, my main purpose in life is to make enough money to create ever more inventions. I want to save and advance human life, not destroy it. 
the Dalai Lama said, the purpose of life is to be happy. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. This is the last one. Eleanor Roosevelt said, the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. And so I don't know about you, but most of those didn't sound very compelling to me. Sort of sounds like either you have to figure out what makes you happy and chase that, or you have to figure out how to get more and more experiences to try to fill yourself up with more of the world. And really, if I think about what all throughout my life, what I thought would have made me happy, I'm really glad that I didn't get those things. I realized that I actually don't know what's going to make me happy. A few weeks ago, Derek asked, this is just an example, a few weeks ago, Derek asked, what did you want to be when you grow up? And I wanted to be Michael Jackson when I grew up. I thought that would make me happy. And we all know now that would not have been good for anyone, right? But we can all think of things, especially in high school, the angsty years, like there were boys or girls that we wanted that we are glad we do not have today. So I say that to say we don't, we don't know what will make us happy. And I think the biggest pitfall here when we think about purpose is that we begin with ourselves. We think, hmm, I should know my purpose. I live in this body every day. So let me just look inside myself, figure out what my purpose is. And it sort of makes me think of the scene from The Little Mermaid, if you've seen it, where she finds a fork and she calls it a dingle hopper and she starts combing her hair because that's what she thinks it's for. And if you don't have any way to comb your hair and you happen to have a fork, it will sort of work, right? It's similar. But a fork works best if you use it to eat something for its created purpose. Have you ever had a kid come to you, like a little kid with a picture, and they're so excited and they give it to you, and they're like, look at my picture. And you sort of hold it, and you're like, yeah, it's it's great. And you're trying to figure out what it is because you want to encourage them. But then you say, what is it that you drew? And maybe they say, oh, it's a dinosaur. And then you can sort of see, oh, okay, there's a tail here. This is, there's an eye, I think. It goes this way. But you have to ask the creator of the thing what it is. Sometimes it's hard for us to see. So we ask the creator. And we were created by God for God's purposes. Often we try to use God for our purposes, right? I think we see that. We say, oh God, I think I want to do this. This is my lifelong dream. Would you bless it? Or this is right, right God? This is what I'm supposed to do? Instead of saying, God, what am I created for? You created me and you know better. You know that I'm not a dinglehopper, right? We have to start with God. We can't start with us because he created us. And our lives work best when we run them through the grid of God's purposes. We all have a grid that we do life through. Most of us do. We maybe have not named it, but there are a bunch of different metaphors for life that I'm sure some of you have heard. One of them may be life's a party. People say life's a party. And if you think that life's a party 
your main focus is going to be fun, right? You're always looking for more and more fun experiences if life's a party. Or maybe life's a race, you know? Someone might have said, life's a race. Well, if you think that life's a race, then you're going to try to get things done fast, and you're going to try to do as much as you possibly can. We, I think we all know people like that. In my natural state, that's the kind of person I am. But Jesus. Maybe someone has said life is a marathon. And so if you think of life as a marathon, you're going to want to work hard, and you're looking at the long game, right? And that's good, but you're going to be working for things that maybe you shouldn't be working for or through, right? Or maybe life is a battle or life is a game. And if you think of it that way, your main goal is going to be winning and never losing. And if you think about it, there are places where we're supposed to take a loss, right? And so these are ways that we look at life that I don't think are helpful. But if we look at the Bible, the biblical metaphor for life is more like a garden where things are tended and cut off and grown. And so in the garden of life, God's purpose for everything he created is to bring glory to himself. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, come. Come be with us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would unravel our hearts and unveil the places that we might keep hidden. God, I pray that you would give me your words and any that are mine, I pray that they would fall. Pray that people would meet you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Derek started a series called Welcome to the Vineyard, and it's based on the three phrases that we put our on our invite cards for our grand opening. And so the first one that he talked about last week was a place to belong. And he talked about how we all sort of long for community. That church, the church body is really important. And we hope that this is a place where you all feel like you can belong. And today my message is called Purpose for Your Life. And so if you've been following me, I just want to recap a little bit, okay? Because I've been talking a lot. The things that I just told you, are humans work best if they have a purpose, right? And if they know their purpose. The second thing is that because God created us, he knows our purpose better than we do. And the third thing is that God's purpose for everything he created is for his glory. And that includes you and me. We together? You with me? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you, Jess. He's not, he's a pastor. He's nodding like emphatically. I like that encouragement. Okay, so the Hebrew word for glory in the no, in the Old Testament is kavod. I used to be an occupational therapist. The the abbreviation for occupational therapist is OT, and I wrote OT, so I almost said in the occupational therapist. That's what just happened in my brain, and I was really confused, my lives. Anyway, the Hebrew word for glory in the Old Testament is kavod, and it means something like weight, significance, or worth. So human beings and everything created are meant to reflect the worthiness of God, his power and his honor. And if we look around, we can see that creation does that. We see the glory of God reflected in the beauty of a sunset, 
We see the glory of God reflected in the power of a thunderstorm. We see the glory of God reflected in the gentleness of a warm summer breeze. And animals bring glory to God when they do what they were created to do. So when birds sing, or when dolphins play in the waves, or when frogs jump, they're bringing glory to God. So the question follows, if our purpose is to bring glory to God, how do we do that? I think the best place to start is in the beginning. So in the book of Genesis, we see God creating everything. He creates the earth, he creates the seas and the plants and the animals, and in the end, he creates human beings. And only after he's created human beings does he rest, and does he say it is very good. So there's something specific about human beings that God says is good. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And if you were at the wedding that I officiated yesterday, you got a little taste of this, but we're going to unpack it a little more, so don't fall asleep on me here. You haven't heard it all. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So God created the living things and he said it was good, but then he created human beings in his likeness, in his own image. And so what does that mean? It means that God created human beings with the ability to think and have emotions and have a relationship with him. We were created to have the characteristics of God. Not that we are God. Don't mishear me. We're not in God's place, but that we as human beings are specifically designed to reflect God into the world. You and I fulfill our purpose of bringing glory to God when we accurately reflect God's image into the world. And in the creation count of God making humankind, he tells them sort of how to do that, or at least some of it. Let's look back at verse 28. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So God tells them to be fruitful and multiply. So if we look at this gardening metaphor that I said the Bible offers us, I'm really not much of a gardener. Only in the past year have I allowed plants into my house because historically I just kill them all. I tell people I don't have pets because I have children. I also don't have plants because I have children. I need to keep my children alive. But with plants, as I've started to grow some things, what I've noticed is that without, with a few exceptions, the only thing that grows left untended are wild things and weeds. But if you're going to create and cultivate a plant, it needs to be cared for, for a plant to be fruitful. In order for plants 
for you and I to grow, there needs to be some intentionality. I do think that um, it's interesting that God said, didn't just say multiply, he said be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say just go produce stuff, right? He said produce good stuff, not just producing. And I think sometimes people read this section of scripture like it says, go have kids. And I think it is saying that to some degree, but it's also saying go produce good things in the world. Like we've just read in the story of creation, that's what God did. He produced good things in the world. And so God gives us human beings his image and likeness so that we can go produce good things in the world. We, as image bearers of God, are called to cultivate the growth of God's character in our own lives so that we can accurately reflect God's image into the world. We're also called to produce children who can accurately reflect God's image into the world, and we're called to help other people accurately reflect God's image into the world. None of us can produce another human being, and I think that's intentional. I think it's really cool that God said it takes two people working together, how's that for euphemism, to create another human being. It takes two people to create a person. You and I need each other. Again, this is my plug for church in the body. We need each other. It's a fallacy to think that you can know and grow in Jesus by yourself. You can know him, sort of, but you are not going to grow if you're doing life by yourself and trying to follow Jesus. You need other people to rub up against and to make you mad and to make you grow and to show you love when you mess up. We need that reflection of Jesus it helps us to see him more accurately. We need to see the image of God in other people if we're going to grow into his likeness. So that's the first important thing. We need each other. The second thing that's important is that God tells the man and the woman to subdue the earth. And the word subdue means sort of to bring peace to or order to. You and I are meant to bring peace and order to the world. And I think that feels like a pretty heavy task, right? But if we look around in the world that we live in, I think we'd say that it needs peace and it needs order. And when we're walking in our intended purpose, when we have reflected God accurately into the world, we can bring peace to the world around us. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever met someone who, when they walk in the room, you sort of take a deep breath and you're like, it's okay, they're here. And it's not them, it's the peace that they exude, where just when they walk in the room, they sort of change the atmosphere of what's going on, often by not even saying anything. Those are the people that we seek for advice, right? That we go to and we give them our jumbled mess, and somehow they can make order and understand and sort of put, they don't even often tell us what to do, but they can make order of our mess. They can give you peace in those moments. You and I are meant to carry, all of us, that kind of peace. We're specifically designed 
God designed us to be able to carry that kind of peace. So if you're following me, what I just said to you is that you are created to carry the image of God by obtaining the characteristics of God. And if you don't know, those are just the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the characteristics of God. And you and I are designed to have those. We're created to take part in producing those good things in children, our children if you have children, or anyone around you, other human beings. We're created and designed to help produce those in others. And we're created to bring peace and order into the world around us. So if you have any self-awareness at all, you should be worried. (laughs) Because what I just said is all those things that we're created to do, and if you know yourself, as I think about myself, I know that I can't do that. I know that I'm flawed, and I have erroneous thinking, and I'm sometimes not what I should be. And if you know the story, you know that in just a few verses, Adam and Eve realize what everyone else realizes. Adam and Eve sin against God, and the image of God that they were given becomes tarnished and cloudy and broken. I think that's how we see it in ourselves. I think we feel that. So what do we do? For designed for this purpose, but I've just told you that you can't do it. That's where Jesus comes in. Humans make a mess and have for centuries made a mess of the world. That's what we do. But God didn't leave us alone in our mess. He sent Jesus. He came down in human form to take the mess. And if we surrender to him and ask him, he will give us the power to be transformed into the many characteristics that I've just talked about. So all of the things that we need to do to fulfill our purposes, we cannot do without full dependence on God and on the Holy Spirit. I think many of us feel empty and tired Maybe it's because you've decided inside yourself what your purpose is and you're running hard after that. That doesn't work. Or maybe it's because you realize what your purpose actually is. Maybe you do know that your purpose is to reflect the image of God in the world, but you've gotten stuck at the point where I said where you recognize that you just cannot do it on your own. You're not alone. Every single person, if you look around, every single person is in that place. None of us, I certainly cannot make myself into the image of God. It requires dependence on him and surrender to him and walking in the ways that he's called us to walk. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.